Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is On the Border with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, a Red Apple podcast production. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, with this week's installment of On the Border with our special guest, Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies. And you can find that website at centerforimmigrationstudies.org. Todd, you testified before the Freedom Caucus recently. Can you tell us what happened? Well, the members of the Freedom Caucus, uh, all Republican uh, people in the minority, of course, uh, were loudly complaining that they were not allowed. Pelosi had not allowed them to have any space on Capitol Hill. So they had to go to this sort of off-campus place uh, to to hold this hearing, and also that you know the Democrats are not interested in having a hearing like this about the border. And what we talked about, we had um, Brandon Judd and me and the former uh, head of USCIS, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services under Trump, up there talking reality about the border, what's happening down there, most historic event in American history in terms of illegal immigration. And for my part, you know, I explained to them that I thought that the United Nations participation that I have been reporting on for uh, several months now uh, deserves some some attention and investigation and uh, rethinking about congressional appropriations. Uh, and I found a lot of interest in that. I was asked good questions uh, about what the U.N. was doing and what I knew about the U.N. Both of those, uh, much of that reporting has been on your shows and uh, published at CIS. And I think that there was a very receptive audience there. So uh, we'll see what happens. Look, Republicans in the minority right now are not able to really get a lot of power leverage over this issue. And all they really have is a bully pulpit. It's not even much of a bully pulpit. It's just a pulpit, you know, and they, you know, try to get information out and uh, get set up for after November when they think that they will retake the House and maybe might be able to do something. Well, let's turn our attention, Todd. And I'm, was it, let me just ask you before we move on to some other areas, you said that they asked a lot of good questions. Did these Republicans express any sense or did you pick up, was there any sense of outrage over the U.N.'s involvement in trying to, in my view, help weaken the national security of the United States by aiding and abetting illegal immigration coming across the southern border? Yes, uh, I was asked pointed questions. Uh, uh, several of them said they had never heard about this and uh, wanted to know more about it. And 
some of the members already knew about this because they've been reading me and some of the uh, members also have signed on to like Chip Roy and uh, Lance Gooden, who wasn't there. These are Texas uh, congressmen who have sponsored a bill to defund the United Nations over this. And they're not finished. I think that they're writing some demand letters and uh, they're going to get on this thing. And I think uh, they're going to find a lot of support on the Republican side of the aisle. And I think really, you know, the Democrats ought to take a look at this, too. I mean, this is not this shouldn't just be a partisan issue about whether the United Nations is funding material support for this huge illegal immigration the biggest in American history. The a, a reporter from the New York Post, Angie Wong, spent three days at the border, which pales in comparison to the amount of time that you spent there, but boy, did it open up, up her eyes. She said, and this is a quote from her article, that the three days she spent on the front lines, she found Border Patrol that has changed its mission. From this is not a quote, I'm paraphrasing. A border patrol that has changed its mission from an enforcement agency to a concierge service. And <laughs> that is stunning. And she also said that there's a pipeline of migrants fueled by cartel coyotes and abetted by American liberal non governmental organizations that are bringing these illegal immigrants in in droves. What say you? Have you seen evidence of cartel coyotes aiding and abetting these non-governmental agencies to get people across the border? What do you think about her reporting? Well, first of all, you know, I respect anybody who goes down there to see this for, for themselves. You can't really understand what's happening and uh, you know, what a game changer it is until you actually see what's happening. It's, it's just spellbinding. It's the most amazing uh, outrage that you can imagine. And everything is turned upside down. All the natural order of things, you know, cops and coyotes, uh, you know, uh, kind of, um, you know, saying hello and having chit chat at the riverbanks instead of one chasing the other, you know, that sort of thing. It's just, Amazing. I mean, I saw that every time I go down there, I see that the uh, migrants are allowed to just cross in droves in these boats. Uh, it's a, like a D-Day invasion landing all night long. Boats and the Border Patrol's just standing there. They drop the loads. The Border Patrol sends them up the riverbank and processes them into the country. Uh, the next step there is NGO involvement. Uh, there is Catholic charities and uh, lots of different kinds of volunteer groups and, uh, you know, official, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, nonprofits that are registered that are all involved in then moving these migrants from the riverbank, uh, maybe through COVID testing and then uh, to the buses and airplanes across to be distributed across the United States. So, you know, it's it's one thing to be able to, you know, say that the, the cartels and those NGOs are actually collaborating with 
each other and with a border patrol in, in between, kind of like the official Walmart greeter uh, taking them through. But it's most definitely a handoff that everybody knows is happening. There is no question that these NGOs, which are profiting per head, especially Catholic charities, uh, that are taking these migrants right out of the river, that they are taking them from like a baton from cartel smugglers. And they seem to be okay with that. They're fine with that happening. And a lot of these migrants don't make it. Uh, they get kidnapped. They get held for a ransom and more money and extorted. And some of the girls and women are assaulted sexually and they just seem to be okay with that. I, you know, I, I never hear an NGO or Catholic charities come out really, um, you know, saying we can't participate in something like that. That is, you know, fueling and enriching these cartels. We can't participate. Uh, you know, it's it's out of our moral uh, wheelhouse. Uh, we're a religious organization, and this is killing people and victimizing people you never hear that uh and i i think that it's uh, you know there's a, a good reason for that is one is they think that they are doing something actually good and they'll say that and the other reason is they're making money they they do uh wow. the catholic charities uh earns uh, a percentage uh from from uh the resettlement of each one of these migrants and handling them. Uh, they're, they're helping doing COVID testing in McAllen, Texas. They've got an entire park was handed over to them by the city. They run the interior of it and they've got border patrol agents and private security on the outside, uh, making sure nobody gets in and they've got, uh, you know, ice buses they're using. It's a, it's a close collaboration between the federal government and these NGOs. And both of those parties fully understand that they are taking handoffs from cartels who are all getting hugely rich off of this too. This is astounding. So I guess, so I guess everybody wins, right? Except uh, America. NGOs win, except the, yeah, except America, which, uh, you know, there's a good number of people in this country, maybe half of the population that does not want this. This is amazing. You know, Miss um, Wong in her article goes on to say that once the migrants are processed at the consolidation centers that they're taken to, they're given folders color-coded to the city of their destination. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. She says she saw folders with tickets to Houston, Atlanta, Newark, JFK. Those folders also contain airline tickets, a U.S. passport-looking booklet, cash, prepaid credit cards, travel itineraries, and an English translation page. The cover of the folder says in capital, letter, in capital letters, please help me. I do not speak English. What plane do I need to take? Thank you for your help. With a smiley face. A smiley face. Does that surprise you? Have you seen these? I've seen all of that exactly as described. Uh, for a long time now, uh, probably a year I've been watching that, seeing that I have met the uh, immigrants. I 
often ask them for their packets and if I can open them and study what's inside and take photos and they're like, sure, here you go. Uh, they don't mind it at all. It just, the packets really represent the extent of the organized assistance uh, being provided to them by non-government and by government to uh, make their way into the United States on something called uh, personal recognizance, most of them, uh, which is a really unusual brand new thing in American immigration, which is uh, kind of like an honor system. Uh, once you come out of the river uh, and go through uh, border patrol processing uh, in a day or two, uh, COVID testing, uh, thank God now, that's a more recent thing. And um, into the hands of these NGOs, they all sort of take care of you and provide, uh, make sure that you are um, getting to a U.S. city of your choice. And then you have to report in voluntarily to an immigration station, ICE usually up there, wherever you are. And, you know, half of them don't do it or thousands of them don't do it. There's been good reporting on that. They just never even show up. Uh, the yep, rest they of disappear as what, what people say, into the shadows they go. They disappear never right. to be heard from again unless they break the law, in which case they're not even being deported, according to other news reports. That's true, uh, because that's, this is the whole game, is to get in on a claim that you're going to make an asylum claim. It's a claim to a claim that you're going to lose, because most of these folks are economic migrants. They don't qualify for asylum, so in their minds, they're going to lose. Uh, they all uh, probably know they're going to lose, that most of their neighbors and relatives who went before them lost. But they're not leaving because, you know, come and get me. You know, and the Biden administration has effectively ended all deportation from the interior of the country. Uh, almost from the get-go, they, they abolished ICE in all but paper. Uh, even serious hardened criminals, uh, any of these folks who actually commit crimes, uh, it's very unlikely that after they pay their dues or, uh, you know, plead guilty or whatever, that they're that they're ever going to be actually deported. Uh, so they know this. And that's sort of the whole game, whether you show up to apply for your asylum, whether you actually apply for asylum and then three and a half, four years later, you lose. You have to come and get me. And that's the whole game. Come and get me. That's a good point to leave today's podcast, Todd. We look forward to next week talking with you, seeing what is new on the immigration front. Sadly, I think every week and every week that we do these podcasts, more and more Americans are stunned by what their government is allowing to happen and in some cases abetting. I agree. And, you know, they're they're They are going to have to voice uh, their concerns in the upcoming elections if you don't like what's happening down there, because there's just not a whole lot that that minority a minority in Congress is going to be able to do about this. James Golden on the border. We will see you next time. <laughs> 